every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Carmen Williams, co-CMO and head of product marketing at Zuper. Carmen is a marketing executive with over 20 years of experience accelerating innovation and growth for fast-growing companies. Carmen is a self-proclaimed chief evolution officer who is a forward-thinking, collaborative leader who advocates an evolutionary mindset and empowers teams to optimize performance. In this episode, learn what makes Super the most flexible and customizable option for fast-growing field service operations and how they help their clients by streamlining their processes, delivering better customer service, and helping them to be more efficient to scale and grow. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Carmen Williams, co-CMO and head of product marketing at Zuper, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest. Carmen, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I am doing great. Excited to chat with you today. We're going to be talking about all the cool stuff that y'all are doing at Zuper. Uh, and as always, today's show is brought to you by Qualified. Go to qualified.com to check out the number one conversational sales and marketing platform for your company's revenue teams that use Salesforce. First question, let's get into it. Yes. Carmen. What was your first job in marketing? Well, many moons ago, when I was in college, I did an internship with an ad agency, and I got a job by bringing a client in. So I was a media buyer account executive at an ad agency in the 80s. And flash forward to today, <laughs> tell us about what it means to be head of product marketing at Zuper. Well, I'm heading up the traditional marketing aspects for Zuper, so the branding, PR, communications product marketing strategy, positioning, messaging, customer marketing, partner marketing, all that kind of good stuff. Let's go to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? Where we go and feel honest and trusted and you share those deepest, darkest <laughs> pipeline secrets. What does Zuper do? Well, first of all, we're not a typical structure on how we structure marketing for a SaaS startup, particularly one that has a heavy employee base in India, and that we've split out marketing. So we've pulled out growth. I have a partner in crime who heads up the lead gen kind of BDR growth stuff, and we work in deep collaboration, and that's been an amazing uh, way to go about it. Because we're targeting SMB and mid-market, we have a inbound a focus and a priority around inbound marketing. We're kind of just starting the early stages of, of that tra transition migration to a more of an outbound, or there will be pieces that are that outbound ABM. But we're very much focused on inbound, and we're having great success. 
Who do you sell to? Who are your customers? So we're the leading field service management solution for businesses that have field service operations. So we're for fast growing field service operations. We're the most flexible and customizable. And our solution, you know, has all of the automation AI and all of those um, technology capabilities to help them, you know, streamline their operations, deliver a better customer experience, make their business more, you know, efficient to scale and grow. You mentioned sort of that SMB mid-market, what sort of like size companies, what verticals and all that are you traditionally targeting? We are targeting across industries. We have obviously a lot that are in that residential services space, but a lot of B2B as well, and some that kind of do both. We've had great traction in like solar security and HVAC and such, and other B2B like manufacturing. And, you know, we're looking for at least 10 field technicians. So that's kind of like our minimum barrier. Um, and then the mid-market, so, you know, hundreds as well. How do you think of your product marketing strategy? Product marketing, very much about telling the story. And we, you know, focus on the positioning and messaging and developing the content that works and enables the growth and BDR team, as well as the sales team and our internal customer client success teams. So, you know, we're we're looking really at engagement and moving them down the funnel. Any sort of differences there or, or things that you oversee that normal sort of like head of product marketing type folks wouldn't wouldn't oversee? I've been in this situation once before uh, where I actually headed up growth and our break line of where we kind of pulled apart the roles and responsibilities was different. Uh, worked for that organization. For Zuper, it works really well. And I think it's the partnership with my other counterpart, you know, there's deep collaboration. We're constantly in, in discussion and kind of, you know, figuring out and some things kind of cross over. So it's a very blurred line. And I think it really takes having two leaders that have, you know, we're, we're both very evolutionary. We're both empathetic and collaborative and just, we work really well together. I think that's the secret. Yeah. I'm curious, how do you think about like who owns pipeline and like who owns those numbers and how, like, how, how does all that stuff look? Well, that part's easy. So Rob and the sales leader own the pipeline. Now, a lot of the stuff we do, you know, contributes to it, but is not directly correlated. And in fact, one of the big initiatives that I'm working on right now for Q2 is to get the HubSpot, which is our CRM attribution reporting in place. That will yeah. allow us to track not just the first touch and last touch of the lead, you know, source that comes in, but the attribution for all of these other things that we're doing, the videos, the product videos, the content and such. If we all had attribution figured out, we'd, uh, <laughs> we'd all be sitting on piles of money and, and retired somewhere. Yeah. All right, let's head to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Obviously, the lead gen channels that have very clear, direct correlation to leads are not going to be cut. And those, you know, we're purchasing leads from review sites. SEO has been a key thing right from the get-go. Obviously, we're not going to be cutting our product videos. Those have shown, you know, very high engagement, and we believe that they correlate. So those would be the top three. 
that's interesting. You say product videos are are a key uncuttable. Like, why do you sort of say that? How do you how do you make those? I mean, with just over a year, our product specific videos have had over twenty five thousand views. So engagement, people that are spending a good length of time sitting down and you know looking at how to do things in our product. So that's half of the total views of all of our videos on YouTube, for example. So it's pretty substantial. Obviously, people watching product videos is is ridiculously important. How are you sort of like measuring whether they're good or not, you know, creating those to, to do all that stuff? I'm always like paranoid of like, is this good enough? Well, first of all, super blessed. I have an amazing design team. I think world-class happened to steal a couple of folks from a previous company, but super talented. And so we're producing stuff that are agency quality. So I'm not too worried about quality. I think we're always assessing from a, you know, content from a strategy and are we reaching the right audience? And so again, that's the reason for the attribution reporting and, you know, just basic level, like we've been doing sort of value prop videos. They aren't getting quite as much reviews. Um, so we'll probably tailor, you know, kind of tone those back a little bit now that we've got most of our product modules covered and really focus on the, the demos and how to's that are driving the big views. It's one of those insights where you're like, man, we all know these how-tos are so important and so critical. It's like, why aren't we just making more of these in general, you yeah. know? Any other sort of like ways that you tie that stuff to pipeline or is it, you know, like you're tying it back to sales? Obviously, we still rely on anecdotal and, you know, my partner in crime has, you know, verbally expressed some of the anecdotal stuff he sees at the front end with the leads that he's capturing. And then internal, the the sort of anecdotal reflection of the use of it and helping them with closing sales and such. And then, like I said, we're looking for these attribution reports to support that as well. What about something that you might be might be cutting or is on the cutting block or something that you might not be investing in? So it's two things I just come to my mind. First of all, we did not choose to do live events this year. We were talking about it and thinking about it. And I think from an inbound strategy, it, it isn't the right fit as we kind of move to larger accounts and an ABM outbound, we might revisit that. Um, but the other thing too, is we're constantly thinking again about some of those areas that are a little bit squishier and harder to track in the upper funnel space. Um, we're doing a, a, a report, you know, writing a book, some of these, you know, we're always trying to think about how do we make it a lead gen? For example, we actually did some paid to get on I mean, these podcasts. So those are all the things that we're, you know, constantly looking for ways to track it and building a campaign attribution report is, is what we're doing to, to solve that. Yeah. The event stuff is so tough. It's so expensive. Obviously, like we know that it works like many things in marketing, like certain things work. That doesn't mean that they're optimized. And like, that's, that's the hard part, right? Is like figuring out, okay, well, how much money should we spend to get X amount of you know, ROI. And I know that it all doesn't come back to strictly ROI, but it's just, it's a tough calculation to do. And one of the things I'll just add on is that we're very lucky that the culture and the mindset is around testing. So the agile evolutionary adaptive mindset. So we're always thinking kind of like the 80% core that we keep that's working and constantly be testing the 20%. So both my counterpart and I are very much focused with that mindset. Do you have a favorite campaign that you've you've ran in the last year or so? So we just finished a pretty cool rap music video style momentum video and announcement campaign. And 
I mean, we got 25,000 views just from that one campaign. And so we're wanting to do more of that viral, getting high level of attention and impressions, but just making sure it's the right audience. So I think we're going to explore more around how to do a little bit, because that was kind of about us, our momentum, but how can we do something like that about our audience, about them, making them a hero? So that's kind of on the list. Stay tuned. I love that. That's cool. What about, you know, other learning experiences, maybe a campaign that didn't go so well? I don't think we have anything that is uh, really clearly not a winner. I think it's always some that just don't quite push as far as we would like. I know we're doing a lot around social media to, can't, again, to kind of get those less about us, more about the customer, more thought leadership, you know, really doing a lot of testing around that to drive more impact. And then, like I said, we're, we're looking at these thought leadership items as well. You mentioned sort of like your relationship with sales, how you think about it from a marketing standpoint, obviously. From a product marketing standpoint, how, does, how is that different? Like, you know, sometimes you see product marketers that are pretty close with their sales teams. Other times yes. you see that they're not at all close. Yeah, so this is so, as a, so fascinating and yeah. a good question. Thank you for asking. You know, it's interesting. Like I said, I had a previous role where I headed up growth marketing and I had a counterpart heading up product marketing. And in that scenario, we were a much larger company, much further along in that we targeted big enterprise. And the product marketing role was very much about enabling sales. And what's different here is kind of the stage that we're at at Zuper. We're very early stage and we're targeting small companies. So it's all, it's very inbound focused. And so the growth team is much tighter and much closer. And product marketing, I don't think at this point is seen quite as clearly of the value add with the sales team. And I think that's something we've an opportunity to work on. One of the things I have in my upcoming QBR is kind of more information to educate and bring that awareness and the knowledge and the sort of kind of appreciation around the value that product marketing adds. I've seen a lot of different combinations and states that, you know, sales and marketing is in and kind of that relationship. It's, it's very important and complex one. How do you view your website? Website is probably our most important catalyst from a, you know, positioning the brand, from getting our value prop messaging clearly stated and, and resonating, educating and moving prospects down the funnel. The area too that we collaborate very closely with the lead gen team. And, you know, it's a constant, it's not a start and finish. It is a constant evolution. We're always looking at it. We're right now in the middle of a UX evaluation because we just launched it at the end of the year. So it's the right time to kind of revisit and, you know, see how we can kind of evolve it from here. Switching to positioning. Yeah. I'm curious, like how often do you do positioning exercises? You know, obviously, when I first started uh, last January, worked with the executive team and the internal team in doing the whole, you know, market research, persona development, competitor analysis, all of that work was done to, to develop our positioning and messaging. And I think, you know, we're still kind of where we were at last year this time. It, it may make sense as we come into the end of this year to revisit based on kind of, are we going to move up a little more to enterprise? Are we, you know, refocusing on different industries? You know, how did we do this year? Where do we get the traction? But at this point, we're, we're pretty set, I would say for now. And then are you like testing different types of sort of messaging in the field? How do you think about sort of like testing messaging? Obviously, like, you know, that feels like everything 
changes so quickly now these days and there's AI there's all this other stuff. I feel like we really did a great job in landing where we landed with our messaging and that internally there's a lot of alignment and there hasn't been as the sales team or the, you know, onboarding team is interacting with customers. There certainly hasn't been the feedback that it's been off. Where we are doing testing, and like I said, we're just starting our early stages of a little bit more precision targeting with ABM. And we're doing it right now one to few rather than one to one. We're doing one to few by industry. And as we get the intent data coming in around industry, then we'll move to a one to one. But that's where we're doing our testing kind of by industry. And we typically do that anyway. So we're kind of picking different, you know, value prop and benefits and such by industry. Yeah, very cool. What's that process like been sort of the journey to ABM? There was a little bit of, you know, debate discussion later stages of last year as we were kind of planning for this year. And we did, you know, we we spoke to industry experts and kind of had in, internal discussions. And then the alignment was arrived that it wasn't the priority for the first half anyway, right? We we're going to stick with that inbound to get the, the numbers we needed to get from a, a pipeline. My partner, Crime, and I, we're pretty aligned. We have a similar background, similar view. The other folks we work with maybe just have a little less experience with this or awareness. And so there has been an educational process to go through for that. Yeah, it's a little bit of getting everybody on the same, a little organizational change management. Yeah, it's a marketing-led effort at this point. And I think as we kind of show the potential, then, then the sales will kind of shift. And the nice thing about having that growth team is that the, that kind of helps because it kind of bridges the marketing and sales. Any early insights here or, or best practices on setting this stuff up, sort of doing it? crawl walk around? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is an insight, just a reality of like getting the testimonials, right? So I'll give you an example. So solar is the first industry that we decided to do this. And I built out, you know, kind of did analysis of our list and built out a strategy and recommendation. And of course, within the traditional installers, we have a great case study within these other more, you know, version segments of that utilities, EV and such. We don't have the case study. So that's the urgent kind of like, you can't really develop relevant specific messaging if you don't have kind of those pieces uh, as part of it. So that's what we're building out right now. Any other thoughts on on uncuttable budget items or spending budget or campaigns? As every company I've ever been with, I'm sure every company that exists, there's always that tension between subjective, anecdotal, and data, right? Because there's never enough of the exact data you need. So I think it's just always trying to get everybody on the same page about let the data speak, you know, let the evidence speak, whatever it is, rather than, you know, opinions. And I think that's always the dance. We certainly experience that here. That's why my partner and I are very focused on trying to get the right data available. Anything that a place that you are looking to invest or something that you're excited about for over the course of the next 12 months? Our podcast, we have a Zuper podcast, Zuper FM, and it's been great. It's really helped us, you know, get the YouTube channel established to the point where we can do the things we need to do there. We're getting great results with that. Those are all the exciting things. And as always, we're just wanting to be adaptable and super agile to adjust. And if, if live events needs to be added in the future, it will be. We're just trying to shorten that evaluation period so that we can just stay as nimble as possible. 
Yeah, so cool of you to say that. Obviously, you know, as our listeners know, I, my company makes podcasts, so I, I think about it all the time. But I, I love how you said that, and it really is an acceleration tool. Like, it's it's a pipeline acceleration tool. It's a relationship acceleration mm-hmm. tool. It's so you can have, like, longer, more complex conversations and cut that stuff down into very short-form stuff. But one of the things that you touched on, which is so fascinating, is that it helps build out your YouTube mm-hmm. channel. And so many companies, B2B companies, have horrible YouTube mm-hmm. channels. And it's interesting that you've seen so much sort of momentum on your YouTube channel and the way that you're doing how-tos and all this stuff. That's really cool to see. Any any insights there? Any best practices? Just to get the vanity URL, just to get rid of the advertising from the competitors, all those things, bringing extra eyeballs the, to there so they can look at your product videos, which are the ones that, you know, move them down the funnel. So we, you know, that's our focus and we're continually trying to improve. I love the way that, that you said that both search, including search into that as well. We see that for sure on our end with a lot of the shows that we're doing. Another thing too, is that the algorithm likes you clicking on stuff. So I think like the old school way was, Hey, just try to build up your subscribers. But the great thing is if they watch a couple videos that they're going to start getting more videos recommended in their feed. And like, that's like an underrated thing that people don't really talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like my, my YouTube feed is, is absolutely crazy because it's, you know, kid stuff. And my son listens to a lot of Taylor Swift. So we get some of that in there. And then it's like, you know, fantasy football stuff. And then it's like, oh, random like B2B tool that I, you know, watched a few videos on that we're considering a buying. And like, it's such a crazy place. You can get a lot of value, even if, even if they're not like sub in your channel or something like that. Exactly. I'm curious, like what sizes of videos are, are y'all building mm-hmm. and lengths and, and types and all that? I mean, ours range, but generally it's like one to two minutes. That's, I think, pretty typical. Yeah. And you have a great, a great playlist for the Zuper FM podcast. It's such a best practice. So many people listen and watch podcasts on YouTube now. And so congrats on that. All right, let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. Where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your competitors, your sales team, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career, Carmen? Well, I'll answer that two way. I, I tend to have a lot of dust ups because I am a, a, you know, I'm a very evolutionary, like test, try, tr- you know, I'm kind of high risk tolerance. And so, you know, I like to learn. But, you know, the sort of dust ups from a role level, I've had a couple and it's always cultural fit. You know, I had a company I worked with that was, you know, been established for many, 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 many years. And they had people working there for 15, 20 years and just, I'm like this, you know, I have this background in fast growing startup, like mover and shaker kind of driver personality deliver results. And I I remember walking in there and just like people would like recoil against me. So I've had, you know, my share of those uh, dust up learning experiences where it wasn't a culture fit, to be honest with you. And those are good learning. You always learn. doesn't matter what dust up you have, you learn. That's right. You either win or you learn. Exactly. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Let's get to quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how qualified.com helps 
companies generate pipeline quickly, tap in your greatest asset, your website to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations quick and easy just like these questions. Go to qualify.com to learn more. You can talk to someone right now. Just go to qualify.com. Quick hits. Carmen, are you ready? Love it. Number one. What's a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? Well, I don't talk about my soccer. That's kind of my passion and my first love and my first skill. Getting ready for the World Cup? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know if you're a fan of Julie Ertz coming back. Maybe. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show or something you'd recommend? Oh, just because I wrote, I just finished writing a book. I've been reading everything on evolution. So David Loy, Lost Theory of Love, Darwin's Lost Theory of Love. Highly recommend it. Do you have a favorite non-marketing hobby that maybe makes you a better marketer? My kids. <laughs> makes me a better leader anyway. Uh, a lot of parallels. <laughs> Just kidding. What advice would you give to a first-time CMO trying to figure out their product marketing strategy? Well, so it's something I've been blessed to have learned just in the last five years is this evolutionary approach. And it's changed my way of thinking. So I, I'm kind of on that mission to tell everybody I can about it. And so I would say if they could learn about that and adopt that approach, I think it would benefit them significantly. So basically, evolutionary mindset, evolutionary approach is, you know, is four key things. Emotional intelligence, so around empathy, putting yourself in the customer's shoes, so being very customer obsessed. Ethical intelligence, so being focused on the greater good. Conceptual thinking. So being able to have creative problem solving, think outside the box. And then the final one is that adaptivity. So the, the mindset of testing, tweaking, start small, right? You don't have to have it all perfect and mapped out and like you just kind of start small and then you adapt and grow and evolve from there. If you weren't in marketing or business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? It's funny, my teenagers looking at being a physiotherapist, that was something I thought about doing, teacher, I like to teach and coach. Carmen, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Well, just the book that I mentioned, and I've got a blog to promote it, evolutionarymindset.org. Feel free to check it out. Sign up for my list. Yeah, I'm super excited for you for the book to come out. I know it's a Herculean effort to create a, create a book. Amazing. And check out zooper.co if you have a field service team. We just won the mid-market awesome. lead, mid leader and SMV leader. So thank you so much for letting us share about that. Hey, now, winning awards right and left. Carmen, thanks again for joining and really appreciate you coming on today. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.